Welcome everybody to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenda. I'm your host for this third season and reminding everyone that this podcast is sponsored by the Latin American Studies program at the University of Toronto. Without their help, nothing of this would have been possible. And now for my introduction. Explode coração na maior felicidade. Love that. Hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel Serrano. Y a la voz del carnaval, todo el mundo se levanta. Hola, chicos. This is Guillermo Baturil. And did you guys know that there's also carnival in Holland? I found out last week. I was very shocked. Wow. Wow. I had no... Oh, maybe it's because it's related to Mardi Gras? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only information you had. You didn't need extra information on that. It's just that's a fun fact, really. That's all I have. A right? random fact. This is a random fact. Well, so here I talk about Carnival. Maybe just to put it into context, um, I think it's the same everywhere in Latin America. But in Brazil, well, that's how my parents taught me, that it's supposed to be like four four days of, you know, fun and happiness before Lent uh, begins. Is that the same in Ecuador, Raquel? Yes, it, it is closely related to Catholic practices, but it has a an indigenous background as well. So here we can see uh, like Carnaval in Ecuador, I think it's also a product of um, cultural syncretism. Mm -hmm. Okay, how so? How so? So uh, before colonization, uh, some indigenous communities in Ecuador celebrated, uh, there's a specific, there's this celebration called Paucar Watay, And it essentially means the the end of the um, of the season, uh, and also the end of the solar year. So they do the celebration. It involves flowers. It involves water. Water uh, signifies uh, is a sign of purification, and that's why it's still uh, being used when people play carnaval in in Ecuador. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when. Uh, I said the cultural syncretism, it's because it was a mix between this indigenous celebration plus the um, influence that colonization had with uh, indigenous culture. So nowadays we celebrate Carnaval, as uh, Guillermo said, it's uh, close to uh, Ash Wednesday and uh, we uh, celebrate it in many different ways in Ecuador, it depends on the city you're in, but there are parades, Uh, it's a festival of music and food. Uh, people play carnival, and that essentially means that people will use water, eggs, flour, uh, another type of ingredients to play with with one another. So, in Ecuador, is it like in Brazil, where you have pre-carnival and post-carnival? And actually, carnival is basically the whole month. So, I don't think it's as structured as in in, in Brazil. I think in Ecuador we celebrate carnival maybe one or two days. But that's essentially it. So there's no like a week of celebrations. But tell us about how you celebrate Carnaval in, in Brazil. Also, it's it's as I said at the beginning, it's four days of that's supposed uh, so extreme happiness and fun before the, the penitence of Lent, right? Even though, like, although Brazil is an extremely Catholic country, I personally don't know anyone who actually actively I mean, uh, not celebrates uh, that, let's say, recognizes Lent. But anyways, um, Carnival itself, the main celebrations in Brazil are the uh, the Bloquinhos or uh, Bloco de Rua, which are, um, well, not spontaneous, but they are parties through the streets uh, where there's usually a, a, I don't know, I wouldn't say a, a type of truck with uh, large 
um, speakers, really, uh, with a lot of uh, traditional music for the period going on and people around them dancing, usually drinking and having a good time, really. Of course, there's other aspects, but that's the most basic form of uh, street carnival, wouldn't you say, Leo? Yeah, so then it's like it's organizing blockers. So like the blockers have names and they're usually <clears throat> they usually take place <clears throat> in the same time in the same like over over the years. So you have like a block with that's that has like a, a Beatle themed one. So they only play and usually they have bands. So samba bands, they have like the different kinds of drums and, and, and the metal instruments, too, with the sax and the trumpets. Um, and they usually playing samba music, too. Of course, you have the ones with the cars. Uh, with the with the big speaker cars that uh, Gilly told uh, t uh, talked about, but there's also the ones with the, the classic bands, and there's uh, there's the specific one that actually plays Beatles songs through samba, uh, which is really fun. And then there's like the the nerds one. Uh, there's one called Bloco Soviético in São Paulo, which is like the Soviet block. Uh, so it's for communists. So there's so there's blocks for everyone, uh, and that's the idea, just uh, having a a party and having even like they're themed in a way so you there's particular people that go to the particular block or so it's really fun to go to the blockers that you know or you don't know and just hop between go through many of them as a lot of people do in rio um and like having fun as you go through you know but also another big thing in the brazilian carnival at least in the rio carnival is the desfile da sapucaí which is the the parade in the Sapucaí Avenue, which is actually not an avenue, it's um, it's uh, it's a like a pathway, a walkway, let's say, with with uh, with with uh, with with benches on the side, right? With uh, those, and and then there's Escolas de Samba, which are like they're like uh, community, they're there's there's samba communities where each usually neighborhood in Rio is represented by each Escola de Samba. And they are um, they are usually located in like a specific they call barracões, which are like the 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 big warehouses where you they actually uh, there's like parties and there's like local events that like are promoted in the neighborhood. So it's actually a site of like a lot of like cultural uh, exploration, right? Because it's like the involvement of the community with the music and producing this final parade every year, uh, which is usually Fridays and Saturdays night at nights um, in Rio in the Sapucaí Avenue. And they go through the Sapucaí Avenue and that's the whole beautiful carnival that everyone knows. And they dispute for the cup every year. So it's like an, a competition um, that people actually support each squad of samba as if they were football teams in Brazil. Yeah, there's a couple of famous ones which I thought I just mentioned here real quickly. So yeah, um, Leo is from Rio, so of course you know a lot more than I do. Um, so well, the, I suppose that the the more famous ones are the the Portela School, uh, the Beija Flor, maybe see mm -hmm. something. The Academico Salgueiro, yeah, Mangueira, uh, Mangueira as well. Yeah, I'm personally a, a Academico Salgueiro fan. So <laughs> yeah, my family so, is Portelense, just Portela veins. So. We're, we're there and so so it's so it's it's kind of, kind of like that people support them as if they were like soccer teams which is really interesting are these like associations of like people like as you were saying talking about the communist uh group are they just like 
I don't know, like a association of communists in Brazil? Like how, how, how are these groups formed? How do they know each other? How can one join one of these groups? So it's like the Bloco is like a group of an informal group of people that get together to organize the event. And so like the, 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 um, the Rio Prefecture offers like spaces during the carnival for each Bloco to like, actually allocate and, and, and I don't know if they pay for it I don't know if it's a permit you pay for I imagine you probably pay for a permit and then uh you're able to like have your block at that period of time in that place in that avenue which is closed and they go through right or Christ they go and they organize themselves so it's like a, it's a self-organized community so I'm, I'm sure if the if you're Brazilian or if you understand Portuguese, if you go on Facebook and you find like if you're interested in the Soviet blog, for example, and you want to join the, and participate in it, I'm, I'm sure you can just uh, easily join to participate. You know. Yeah, it's important to say I think just to add to that it's usually free to go, so you you don't have to sign up beforehand. You you just go because there's not usually um, an entrance fee or anything. You just show up and there's a lot of people that are ready. So it's when we say street party, it's it's really that. It's in the middle of the street. So there's no entrance per se. Yeah, and when you, asked, when you asked about how the block was organized, it's interesting to also talk about how the College of Samba, which are the schools of Samba are, are organized because although they sound really nice, they're community organizations usually born in the 30s and 40s, so with a, a strong legacy of, of black music, et cetera, having a lot of these uh, communi com <clears throat> community uh, roots, it's uh, it's also important to note that they are uh, chiefed in many ways by what they call bicheiros. Uh, bicheiros are, they're men that deal with... Um, Oh, so, so the name comes from gambling, this right? game. So, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, with gambling, right? So, so they're so they're like gambling lords, and they they provide other services for the community, but that's how they usually gain their money from from like money laundering and and, and, and gambling, and so each uh, each uh, school of samba has its like patron, you know, has its known like actively known like uh, bishop almost that sponsors that sponsors the. The Shkolaja Samba, that's probably the president of the Shkolaja Samba. So there's a whole, like, even, like, kind of criminal organization involved in it. So it's right, a it's, more complex. It's important to note that gambling is illegal in Brazil in any capacity. So that's why it's also, you know, once you say in Brazil that someone's involved with gambling, it's always illegal because gambling is illegal in Brazil. Yeah, and so, it's just normal like because carnival is so normal and, like, people are used to seeing all these, like, different, like, parades. So, like, it kind of like has been normalized in Brazil, this uh, connection between the celebration of carnival and uh, people involved in illegal activities. It's a lot like, it's a lot like corruption, I want to say. Like we all know that there is corruption, right? And if you do investigate, you'll probably find it, but no one is actively investigating. Like we all, there's a general understanding that they are criminal activities going on at the top of the the owners of the samba schools, but again, as as long as no one really investigates, can't really prove it. So it's it's not like I don't think anyone considers it a lot of a big deal. Would you Would you agree, Leo? I mean, it's it is a big deal, but it's but it's it's take it's taken for granted. It's just like oh, this this guy X X name, for example, is involved, has a beautiful apartment in in Leblon, in like the 
and like with like two two floors which is probably the the meter squared one of the most expensive meter squares in the world uh and is also the president of this like scrologist sound but in a really poor community so it's like mm, i wonder if this really known man uh <laughs> is doing anything wrong you know so it's 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 questionable but they're influential right they're really influential and they're known around uh which is it's it's just interesting that that it's normalized so much right yeah and well just moving it a bit from rio in sao paulo which is also the biggest city in brazil there is also the famous uh it's very similar the the, the so there are samba schools and they have the you know the parade and the as we call it in in, in brazil sambódromo which is a stadium solely dedicated to uh, the parades of the of the samba schools which is really nice and in sao paulo differently from rio uh, there is the added uh, caveat that there are the football uh, not hooligans but the football uh, fans uh, are part the ultras really they are the ones who uh, have samba not samba schools but have a samba school wing uh, as well so one of the most successful clubs in brazil is palmeiras uh, and corinthians and they both have uh, schools, summer schools that with that well parade on on the on carnival, which is really interesting. So Gaviões da Fiel is the Corinthians um, uh, summer school in a way, and also their uh, supporters ultra group. And Mancha Verde is the one from Palmeiras. So in São Paulo, we have this connection with the football, with football even more than in Rio, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. In in Rio, we don't have this like kind of like distinction. Although in 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 Rio, basically everyone claims to be Flamenguish, so it's it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to cooperate. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted to talk about how COVID nineteen and like social distancing influenced uh, Carnival this year. If oh, it man. did, man, people were so sad, extremely sad. Like some really funny memes, though. I think um, <laughs> a simple thing aside is Big Brother Brazil. Uh, Big Brother Brazil has been like an like an anthropological experiment that like millions of Brazilians are watching at the same time, and it's really weird how like some people know more at Big Brother Brazil than they know the news, and it's like people clap out loud. Like you can see like you know those panelasses that something sometimes happen. Pe the, the, people do that for Big Brother too. Um, it's very big in Brazil now, especially with COVID. It wasn't before COVID. Oh yeah, with COVID, yeah. So and then the whole thing and that's that now yesterday, now we're gonna really date this program. Uh Brazil had the record number of case, um, number of deaths. It was over a thousand and five hundred deaths a day. A day. A day. And that's insane. And they are attributing the surge to the illegal carnival activities of people going out and agglomerating the streets. We had like similar situation here because uh, especially like in-person events are um, prohibited, especially when it's a more than X number of, of people. But it seems that a locality like the, the side of, of Ecuador hosted a big party and like people were not even social distancing. I was watching some videos about this and they they were dancing, they were doing, uh, what's the name? Um, like El Gusanito. Do you know what El Gusanito is when you're dancing? It's no, like no. this, it's like people are dancing like, so there's a line, right? And then you're dancing while you're walking, but you're still like keeping the line. So it's like, a human gusanito. 
So essentially, it means that there's no social distancing. And um, by watching the videos, you can see that people, some of them, were not even wearing a face mask. So um, a lot of uh, COVID uh, cases have been uh, uh, as a result of these uh, illegal meetings. And that just shows that how some celebrations, traditional celebrations, are still over a pandemic or still over what um, the, at least here it's called the COE. It's the center that tells you when you can meet. Um, it's, they mainly control the social distancing regulations. Um, so this just shows that some people rather like celebrate Carnaval or celebrate any other type of holiday um, rather than like taking care of each other and rather than following the measures that we're all supposed to be taking. So yeah, it's yeah. just really dangerous. Yeah, it's very. it was very similar in Brazil because as Leo said, I just want to expand it a bit when he said, because he, he said that, oh, of illegal carnivals, clandestine carnival parties. That is a, literally clandestine because officially carnival was not outlawed, but was uh, not observed this year, let's say. So the cities didn't sell permits, the cities uh, didn't, it was usually public funding that goes into carnival as well. There was no public funding for anything. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the cities, most cities, uh, said that there, there couldn't be anything. And um, that is why there were a bunch of clandestine or illegal parties, because there were still a bunch of parties uh, where there, of course, no social distancing was observed, no masks were worn, absolutely not. Um, and exactly that's why uh, there has been such a surge in coronavirus cases in Brazil, as Leo said before. Yeah, and just a classical example of Rio, Rio 2020, like this is, this is post-apocalyptic vibes. It's um, a famous singer called Belo, which sings samba and pagode, uh, was, um, was caught in a, doing an illegal show that had a concert that had more than 2,000 people, I believe. And it was financed. They soon discovered, the police discovered that it was financed by a drug trafficker. So he was paid by for by a drug trafficker to uh, uh, perform in that illegal concert during the carnival. Crazy. <laughs> um, were there any, because I'm pretty sure that there was an alternative programming to in-person activities. What type of alternative um, events were uh, happening? They were they were promoting a lot of a lot of good lives um, from like famous singers. Uh, we had the famous encounter of the of Claudia Leite with Ivete Sangalo, which are two very famous like Afoxé uh, singers in Brazil, and they were making a live together that got peak audience. Uh, so so there's a lot of alternative inter entertainment. I think the, a lot of artists uh, in brazil have been exploring the the live uh, media re really well especially the sertanejo groups which are which is like our version of country music they've been uh, exploring the this like realm of of of, of live videos like live shows uh, online uh, a lot and they've been getting a lot of traction with that too that's so interesting because with the pandemic and lockdowns, we've been challenged to do events and activities in different ways. And it's nice to see um, these alternative uh, projects that have been happening to preserve those traditional values and to uh, preserve the, the culture that uh, we have. So that's, that's great to see. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, in terms of yeah, and, and that's something I, I wanted to emphasize in terms of like uh, protecting culture, and and that's that's something that's uh, that should be emphasized, which is the the collaboration that the Carnival had to protecting black music and to promoting black culture too, and pr promoting black culture, indigenous culture, but mostly black culture through at least in Brazil through samba and through uh, frevo and different, different uh, uh, rhythmic uh, movements that were really important for, for sedimenting the Black community in Brazil. And I think uh, that's a theme that usually the parades that I was talking about, uh, that the schools of Samba do, which are, which are, uh, uh, which are reviewed by, by a, a, a group of judges, is usually has, usually has themes, each one. And usually they're talking about Afro descendant movements, and they're usually talking about uh, the African culture in Brazil and the indigenous culture in Brazil and the land and the nature and politics and corruption. So they're always being really critical. And I think that's something really interesting also about Carnival in Brazil. I don't know if it's the same thing in Ecuador. It's a, it's a time to subvert reality, but also a time to, to, in this subversion, to criticize, right? To criticize how our reality works around us. And I think the the potential of samba to do that was was is really amazing and it, and it marks uh the the afro descendancy that exists in in brazil and the africanness that exists in brazil i think in ecuador it really depends how you're celebrating a carnival and with whom like for example if you go to uh an indigenous community that celebrates as i said the Paucarwatai like you might get a different understanding of, of, uh, and a different, uh, you, you might be, um, you might experience a different form of celebration of carnival, but at least in the city, um, it's very common to play just with friends or, or with family members. And it's a different, like people are not using the water or not playing, are not playing with water because of the, uh, significance that it had at some point in terms of purification and what it means for indigenous communities. I think it has, been uh, adopted to urban practices and not necessarily to um, support or restore um, indigenous indigenous beliefs, indigenous uh, practices. So I think, as I said, it really depends where you're celebrating and with whom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 In Brazil, it can be really diverse, of course, because we have a, for example, as I was talking, Frevo in the northeast of Brazil is a very specific type of dance with a very specific type of Asher rhythm that is quite different from the, the Rio version of Carnaval, which is quite different from the, I'd say, quite internationalized version of the Sao Paulo Carnaval, because Sao Paulo as a, like a modern industrial city is quite um, cosmopolitan, so it has um uh embraced a lot of different traditions and a lot of diversity and i think has uh changed in many ways how carnival is seen too because it's so it's so expansive right that it, it's able to uh embrace also every kind different kinds of communities and that's what uh, many of the blocos in sao paulo have been doing and i think uh the festivities in general in, in Sao Paulo have been have been really important, marking uh, the carnival. Of course, there's the LGBTQ parade, which is huge, in, which is a, like a second carnival that happens in Sao Paulo, which is even sometimes even bigger uh, than some um, blocos in Sao Paulo. But there's there's this there's this regional difference of how um, each each place in Brazil celebrates carnival, and depending on the place you're gonna go, you're gonna have 
a very different experience but you but be assured that it's going to be definitely fun because i think uh brazilians know how to how to subvert the culture when they have to and i think carnival and that's something that happens i don't know if it it's if it's as strong in ecuador but in brazil uh people look forward to carnival and some people say it's a common saying to say that the year only starts after carnival ends you know there's this thing that carnival only ends after february uh, the month mo- the year only starts after february because of carnival and if carnival is in march only after march and so there's there's always this uh, uh this longing for the carnival and that's why sometimes in, in brazil it's so expensive having a pre-carnival and a post-carnival because people just want to have carnival all the time right Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think it has a lot to do with uh, these the indigenous origins of celebrating Carnival as the celebration of the end of the solar year. So it definitely has a connection with like the, the end of the year and when it starts and what it means for um, the connection to the land, the agriculture, to the different dynamics that come to play. Um, but definitely has some some relation to that. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about is how the celebration of Carnival is also a bit problematic in the sense of um, environmental pollution. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that because at least in Ecuador, it's really common to play Carnival with a spray foam. And this thing comes in cans. Literally, so, literally yeah. So as you can imagine, with cans being produced massively uh, and you use this can for like, I don't know, one, two minutes, and then it you you are done with it. So you will have to buy another one. And it's just not good for the environment. And the other thing is like the overuse of water and how we take it for granted. I don't think there's a good environmental behavior with that. So I think you can still celebrate Carnival uh, by adopting more environmentally friendly practices. Uh, you don't really need to play with water. I think there are other resources, um, as I was talking about, uh, people play with flour, with eggs, with other food items. So we we just need to be creative and we need to stop using spray foam because it's polluting our environment, it's, produ- it's polluting our uh, water and food systems. So we don't want that. And we want to make sure that we are celebrating and we are um, preserving those uh, values and traditions that we have, but we are doing it in a responsible way that will not affect our environment, um, our current uh, communities and those in the future. Yeah, like in, in, in like it's beautiful to see the block passing, but once it has passed, you can see the trail of trash that people leave on the floor. And then every, the, 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 the trash collector have to clean up. And it's absurd, it's absurd. And all the blocks that pass have this attitude. And I think this attitude has has to change. And the same thing with the use of glitter is something that um, that some some have started to come up in a few discussions in the past few years. I think this discussion of an environmentally conscious carnival is definitely something that's uh, is is going to be big in the next few years because I think people are starting to think more and more about about uh, the applicability of of environmentalism in their lives. Another point that I wanted to make that I think was really interesting in the Brazilian Carnival is that it clashed quite, because of course, and we have this comparison of Halloween and Carnival and how Halloween in a way is like you dress up and and there's the whole party. It's, it's and it feels a bit sometimes like a Carnival. Of course, there's, it's, uh, the Carnival is way more expensive in its subversion. Um, 
But what happens is in Brazil, a lot of people uh, still dress up as indigenous people, for example. Um, they still dress up as, uh, there's blackface is already canceled, um, but there's some, there's some bit, some, some um, misuse of cultural appropriation. And the whole debate of cultural appropriation is, hasn't been introduced yet in Brazil. And I think the greatest reflection is seeing a white man, a uh, muscular white man dressed up as an indigenous person and thinking it's really fun. Wow. Yeah, I think there are, there are so many things we need to change. Uh, it's a great celebration. It has, uh, it's, sorry about that. My dog is with me. Um, <laughs> But we, we need to, to think about it. We need to challenge some of the practices that we've been using. And we need to think about other ways to, to celebrate Carnival and to um, keep having those great moments of, as Guillermo said, of happiness and joy and just uh, a different environment than um, other holidays. Because Carnival is so special, it's so unique. It's something that, as you said, people look forward to Carnival. So we just need to be creative. We need to to think smart and think consciously. Yes, yeah. And, and especially during COVID times, uh, I urge people in Brazil not to go out. Please don't go out. Please don't travel. It's something that I've seen in my in my personal uh, friend group and in my circle. And that's something that I've I've as seeing Canadian practices I highly disapprove of and particularly seeing how the statistics are in Brazil and how they've increased and upsurged because of these carnival attitudes is simply uh, really sad to see. And so uh, with this note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thank you very much for participating, uh, Raquel. And, <laughs> and <coughs> as always, El Cafecito is available on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't forget to check it and DM us if you're interested in participating in our amazing project. Thank you very much and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.